Jackie Patton, and last year I founded Inkblot Creative, a brand new and very different communications and marketing agency. I love a good chat with an interesting human, so on every episode of Series 2, I'm going to be talking to business leaders, creatives, and everyone in between about how they stay connected. We talk about big goals, important relationships, and holding on to a sense of purpose when what's going on in the world isn't always in our control. I can't wait for you to join us for these conversations. Tune in every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher for the next free episode. And if you're enjoying these chats as much as we are, I'd love for you to leave us a review. This week, I'm talking to Simon Saw. Simon is the CEO of the Jersey Hospitality Association. And if his lockdown cocktail making videos are anything to go by, he loves a Hawaiian shirt and a good martini. Simon is super passionate about his industry, which needs our help more than ever right now. So sit back, relax, and grab a cup of tea. This is Stay Connected. Well, Simon, thanks for joining me. I kick off every episode by asking my guests to bring along an object that they feel connected to. I can see yours on the desk in front of us right now, and it is... It's a bit different. Do you want to tell our listeners what you brought along today? Hi, Jackie, yes. Um, I've I've actually brought along a cook's knife, uh, which is a bit... Uh, symbolistic to me it's got a lot of meanings behind it Uh, this one in particular is a a chef's knife I was bought by my father Um, he's always been a big inspiration and mentor to me Uh, and when I was younger got me into flavors as as a whole so cooking uh, different drinks flavors whatever it happens to be Um, and I I think this really symbolizes that whole process Uh, he's he got me into cooking as well and that was the start of my hospitality career and uh, where, where I came to here, and uh, I think it sort of epitomises as much of that as I can, both family and career. Yeah, because we were talking about what, what object to bring, and I said, think of something that you feel a real connection to. I've got to say, I wasn't expecting you to bring a knife. <laughs> it, it doesn't always go down well, I'm always very careful packing them up and, and bringing them in, and I suppose having spent a lot of time in kitchens, a knife is just part of your daily tools, yet other people tend to view them in different ways. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so a slightly different uh, item. I love today. it. And so you started off your career as a cook, as a chef? I did, yes, in Australia. Um, I'd done a few bits in hospitality before, just as trying to work out what I wanted in life when I was younger. And it was only when I was traveling in Australia, I found myself in need of earning some money, as you tend to do when you... feeling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was there for a, a, a year and sort of fell into a kitchen. And within a week, I was applying for the local college over there and becoming a student in Australia. Oh, amazing. And how long were you out there for then? Uh, two years out there and then uh, continued chefing for about another two years after that as well. Amazing. So your dad got you into it originally? I've, yeah, not necessarily chefing, but cooking. I've cooked since I, well, for as long as I can remember. Um, it's something in our family, all the men do the cooking. Uh, That's like the, that in my family as well growing up. It's a good way to be. It is good. Um, it's great if it's your, your my mum and you don't have to do it. That was a <laughs> definite bonus points. Uh, but we get Christmas is a great time because we all get in the kitchen together. The the guys do all the cooking and it's it's something bonding within the family, which I like. Oh, it's amazing. I like that as well. So we talked about, so you've been cooking since you were tiny. So tell me about little Simon. Did tiny Simon... What was he like? Was he good? Was he a little bit naughty? Was he... I, I, always a good boy, and I'll <laughs> stick with that. Um, yeah, I, I was... I don't really... No, I don't really ever look at my life in that sort of way. Certainly, I didn't expect to 
be where I've ended up now when I was younger. What did was, you think? What did you think you were going to be doing? Well, as I was coming to the end of my A-levels, I was lining up to go to Loughborough University to do civil and structural engineering uh, before going to Sandhurst into the army. Um, and I went travelling and became a chef instead. So it, it wasn't <laughs> quite... <laughs> yeah, that is a deviation. Yeah, it wasn't quite the uh, the, the sort of path I was expecting to take, but I'm not complaining about it because for me it's it's led me to where I am now. And instead of being one, um, I've always enjoyed things like maths and physics. It, it was always something that interested me in school. So the civil and structural engineering made sense. Um, but flavours cooking, that's that's passion. So it's my it's the sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the practical sort of math side of life or the passionate side of life. And, uh, you know, do you go with your heart or your head? And I went with my heart and my career and uh, it's led me to here. Well, it's gone all right, hasn't it? It's pretty nice when your career starts out in Australia for a couple of years. I feel like that's like a, a good starting point. It, there are worse places. I'm not going to lie. There are certainly worse places. And it was a great place to get started in kitchens in particular because of the amazing produce over there. Yeah, uh, so. and they really value the hospitality industry, don't they? There's lots of like amazing courses and getting people into that industry, seeing it as like a really great career. Mm. They... It's, it's considered a decent career over there. It's not like we get a lot over here where people see it as uh, something you do if you can't do anything else. There's an understanding that hospitality, it requires a certain skill set. skill, yeah. Yeah, uh, and I've met, I've met people who do it because it's a way of paying some bills and I've met people who do it because it's the career they're meant to do and they're two very different people in life normally. Mm, that's really interesting. So your, your dad gave you this knife. You mentioned before that he was a bit of a mentor to you. Mm. growing up do you have any so let's have a little think about your your family then lots of men cooking which i just sounds great to me but dad is the main kind of mentor as you were growing up helping you make your decisions yeah uh, he always has been um my dad's got a great uh, career track record always has um he's also very respected in what he does and uh he's he's had a an ethos behind him in life and I was brought up following that and for me it's something I've tried to keep throughout my career and I think that's certainly helped me get to, to the position now but it's listening to his advice and um, you know there's some things it's very easy to go off on tangents mm. with people or to, to get hot-headed and he's taught me about becoming cool you know keeping cool and calm and thinking practically uh, one of the biggest things which I love to do when looking at any situation is playing devil's advocate you know no matter how good you think your idea is argue the opposite and if you can win that argument you need to rethink what you're doing that's a good lesson learned isn't it for everyone it's yeah. it's certainly kept me engaged and it's uh it's been a good life lesson uh the other one was don't believe your own pr and i found <laughs> that's a really important one as well oh yes yeah. good and bad yes. <laughs> don't believe yes. either of them <laughs> i love it so it sounds like your career then as you said it was kind of choose your the career that's right for your head or the career that, that's right for your heart and you went down the kind of more passionate route yeah I, I should probably jump back and say my dad wasn't the biggest fan of me going into hospitality when I first did oh, that's interesting how come uh he'd always said you know be the best you can be at whatever you do and his view was you know if you're going to be you know the typical be a brain surgeon be a yeah. whatever it happens to be um obviously going off to uh, do a degree and going to the army was he was in the army himself so he saw the, the benefits in the, a good career there. Um, I became a chef and you know, he loves cooking, so he didn't mind that one. Uh, my second career after being a chef was a, a bartender, um, which you touched on in the introduction. Uh, the bartending for me, when I first told him I was working behind bars, he sort of saw me pouring a pint behind a, a pub and 
not really doing that much more than that. And I don't think he properly understood it at first. And he thought I was wasting time, uh, yeah, time and opportunity and uh, what he thought I could achieve. And I think that changed very quickly when he saw the sort of stuff we used to do behind the bars. And uh, especially when I did things like consulting venues uh, within a few years of bartending. And that continued and still continues to this day. But yeah, it's interesting kind of the understanding the value of the skills in those roles. Like one of my favourite things is going and having a nice cocktail somewhere. And when you see someone who really understands how to put those flavours together and you get and the service is amazing and the environment's great and the atmosphere and the perfect... It's just such an amazing experience, isn't it, when you get it right? You can, like, geek out over that. Um, I think you've touched on two points there. First, I'll start with experience. Now, for me... I've met some incredible bartender chefs, etc., but that's all they focus on is their one drink and they forget about everything else that's around it. Um, experiences over product mm. are essential. You look at when you go to a restaurant and if the food's good but the service is appalling, it taints your view of it. If the service is amazing but the food doesn't hit the mark, you just don't have that experience you want. So experience is essential and making sure that every element of it is up to the same standard because only one element slipping behind will detract from the whole thing. That's really interesting, actually. I always think as well, if I go to a restaurant and the food's great, but the service is rubbish, I don't go back. Mm. If the service is amazing, the atmosphere's good, and I like the vibe, but the food's all right, I might give it another chance, because I might think, oh, maybe they just had an off night and I was there, but it was a great experience. The experience is absolutely the fundamental of the industry, and I think there can be too much focus on individual parts and thinking mm. that that has to be the sole aim. Whereas it's the package, it's the total thing. The other bit you mentioned, and it was about, you know, amazing flavours, putting stuff together. Um, if we look at uh, hospitality and uh, we use flavours instead of just saying cooking or yeah. creating drinks. Uh, if I asked you to name three famous chefs, could you? Yeah, probably. Okay. If I asked you to name three famous lawyers or accountants, could you? Definitely not. Um, and Unless yeah. they're on the telly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so made up ones potentially. <laughs> yeah, that, that you know, if we go into suits or something like yeah, that, that's a, a different name angle. Them. <laughs> yeah, um, but I think this is my point. You know, we're we're happy to sit at home and revere these people who are, have really excelled at what they do in the the flavor world and in what they're doing there. Yet, if you turn around and said, "Where would you send your child mm. to to uh, get a career?" You wouldn't be looking at those people who are very successful. They're doing very well. You'd be turning around going. No, you're going off to become a lawyer, but what are you revering in yourself? Where, where, where is your aim with it? And mm -hmm. I think this is the bit that frustrates me is we're so easy to dismiss the idea of working in an industry because of what are normally misconceptions that, that people have. And yet they're, they, they're pushing people towards a career where they're probably not going to be as happy or they're going to do it just for the sole purpose of bringing money in. Um, life isn't just about money. It helps. But being happy, you only live once. 100%. I think it's really interesting as well because obviously this the whole concept of this podcast is around connection. And when I think about all the places where I feel most connected, the places where I love to take the people I'm most connected to, it's always an amazing restaurant or that great place where you can get that sandwich and sit on that seawall or that bar where you can sit and it's a great atmosphere or a live music. You know, it's always all those moments, a theatre, whatever it might be, it's always the experiences, isn't it? And it that's for me like a big part the place you go to have those connections i suppose it and again touching on the two i mentioned before you look at an accountant you'll use them once twice a year you look at hospitality as a part of your day-to-day -day life mm. um 
and it, it really impacts on you. And I've got my go-to place. So I've got places I love to go and experience. Mm -hmm. I think uh, there are places out there that I think are 100% the best value for money I've tried. And I always use the term value for money because for me, I could have a Michelin star meal and consider it value for money. I could have a very expensive meal somewhere else and consider it not value for money. I could have a, a cheap meal and definitely not consider it value for money. Value is about the, the cost of the meal versus the quality of the product you've received yeah. in return for it. And I think we've got some great value on the island and some place which I, I, I passionately go back to again and again. And I think Corona has given us, like you're just saying, that it's part of your day to day. I would never have said before lockdown that I that going for a coffee was a big part of my day to day until I couldn't do it. And I could not wait to get myself to a nice coffee shop and have a good cup of coffee and meet some people and just soak up that atmosphere. Like that was a big thing that I realised during lockdown. And I imagine lots of people are looking at the things that make their nice, like just a bit nice, their life's a little bit nicer with those things in it. And hospitality plays a really good part in that, right? Mm. There's, you know, getting dressed up and going out for a nice meal. Oh, love that. It's it's a nice part. It's, it's not just, and again, we talk about... Um, the experiences and how it is in total. Your experience of going out for a meal, in, in particular if you go to a good restaurant, starts during your preparation process. So getting home, the anticipation, getting yourself ready for the evening. Cheeky gin and tonic. That's a must. Why do you make up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll make up for you. Yeah. Um, no, I like a G&T. <laughs> yeah. uh, and my makeup, of course, is required. Um, but I think that's a really important part because it, you then, you've got the anticipation, the build-up and... We know uh, through through studies out there that anticipation increases um, your your receptors. You enjoy the experiences more. Uh, it, certainly, it heightens the endorphins over a period as well, meaning that that one experience going out for a meal has grown and grown to become this incredible evening. Um, and on the same note, you could do the other thing that I've missed is even popping down with the family to go for a pub meal. Now, not necessarily going out oh, for a yeah. lovely... I love a good pub meal. Oh, you can't beat them. No, you really can't. But we've got some great, you know, uh, in particular the country pubs in Jersey, where you can go sit, have really good food, have something nice, have a nice bottle of wine, have a, a, a beer, have a G&T, whatever it happens to be. But in that different setting, and in particular, I, I always love as we start to move towards winter and yeah, the fires yeah. get lit. I love that. You've got the... Cozy pub. Yes, you can't beat it. Um, and again, that, that experience is something that everybody, and I, I presume a lot of people listening to this, will suddenly go, oh, you can picture it in your head. Yeah, you picture your favourite one as well, can't you? Everyone's oh, like just gone somewhere there. With a nice, a nice pie or something that's oh, been made on site. Lots and, of gravy. Yep. Dessert with yep. a custard on. There you go. Now I know what I want for lunch. This isn't good. <laughs> we should have done this post-lunch. So it's really obvious that you're super passionate about what you do. Like, as we're talking about it, your like, eyes are lighting up and you're getting all excited. So one of my questions is often, how do you kind of stay connected to to that? But And I was thinking to myself, is that the right question for you? Because it's really obvious that you're really connected to the industry. But obviously the job you do now, you're the CEO of a hospitality association. You're not running a restaurant or a hotel or a bar. You're kind of facilitating an industry. So how do you stay connected to the day-to-day -day while you're doing something that's a bit different? It's hard. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think I'm the only person who will have sat in the seat and said it's not always easy to do. Um, we deal with primarily doing this. We don't get to deal with the best of the best. We get victories and we have some wins out there, but it's constantly seems to be firefighting or looking at what the next issue is going to be. Um, I think the bit I hold on to is I've got an industry I'm very passionate about. Uh, I've got an island I'm very passionate about. I was brought up here. I've worked in this industry now for uh, 18 odd years, 19 years. 
um, if you include when I first started coming out of school. I love what I do with it and I want to see it thrive on the island. So I know that everything I do out there will generate some success with that. And any success, anything I can do to aid one business is amazing. If I can do it to aid 10, even better. If I can do it to aid more than that, you know, it's, it's a massive victory. And I think just trying to keep that in mind is is really useful. Yeah, that purpose while you're there in the first place, I mm. guess. And mm. you mentioned before when we were talking about pubs, which got me a little bit distracted, but I'm back, I'm back on track now. Okay. Um, was that you love going to a pub with a family. Mm. So when we think about, like... The people in your life then, who, who do you feel most connected to? It's my wife and my son. Uh, that's the ones I, I spend all my time with. You know, working from home, uh, it's brilliant. I love working from home because you get the moments where, as, as my son loves to come running in, he'll tell me a quick story, which will last about two and a half seconds. He'll get distracted by something shiny and run off again. But it's being able to spend that time. It's, it's also, I think, the bit I enjoy working at home at the moment. I don't have a commute, so I don't have to leave earlier. So you get that time with them as well, yeah. extra little bits. Yeah, and that, I think that's really important with uh, actually getting to enjoy time as a family. And you need to have a grounding, especially with this sort of work. Um, a distraction, a grounding and an ability to step away from what you do is absolutely essential. So how do you do that? What's your like go-to switch-off activity? Cooking. He's staring at his knife, and I wondered what it was gonna what it was gonna say. Then. I'm glad it was cooking. Yeah, um, for for me, if I need a, a big de-stress on the weekend, I'll plan a lovely meal for the evening. I'll spend the afternoon cooking. Uh, I'll bake uh-huh. some bread. I'll do whatever I, I need to do um, because that for me allows me to to relax and switch off and just focus on what I need to do. It's like meditation almost, isn't it? Because you just like get in the rhythm of what you're doing. It is, and it's got that satisfaction at the end of what you've produced. Uh, we we had a few points in. Uh, in particular the first couple of months of uh, lockdown where uh, Lindsay would take Jackson out and just leave me and she said look you just spend spend an afternoon cooking let's have a nice meal tonight and that'd be me perfect you know nice G&T in hand bit some, of de-stress time yeah some good music on um, and just cook and just enjoy relaxing and cooking for a bit what's your go-to cookery playlist oh uh I have one I created for Cowan Lobster years ago, and it remains one of my favourite playlists I've ever made. It's 30-something hours long, so <laughs> it's always that change of music. It's always something a bit different, but it was the one I was so proud to have made because it just had some absolutely incredible tunes. Um, and I'll just pop that on in the background. It depends. It depends what mood I'm in. It depends what I need here. Sometimes it can be something a bit more modern. Sometimes it's some Motown. Sometimes it's some some jazz or blues or funk. Um, but it's something that's got passion behind the music. Reggaeton's my go-to cooking music at the minute. Nice. Oh, love it. Nice. Um, but you need something that, that the music has to reflect what you want to put in the food. Um, so while I, I do occasionally enjoy some of the, the heavier styles of music out there, um, you can't quite put the same passion into making a... a, a some fresh pasta or some bread while you're listening to Metallica. It's not quite Yeah, they don't the gel very well, do they? No, no. <laughs> uh, there, there's a time and a place for everything. And it's, it's, about, it's about passion. Everything I do, I think, revolves around that whole element of passion. I love that. I love that you just get your afternoon cook on. I think that's amazing. So do you think your, your job's obviously really busy? And I imagine during Corona, obviously hospitality is one of the industries that's been hit the hardest when we weren't allowed out we couldn't go anywhere and no one could open so i imagine your phone's been ringing off the hook for 
Yeah, um, I think the first couple of months uh, or the first month as we didn't know what was happening, that, that was when the big unknown was. At least now we're in a period where we have a bit more of an idea. Um, we, we kind of, we know the options out there. What happens if we're yeah. locked down to which period? At the start of this, this was a great big unknown. Um, I was using a headset for my phone and my phone remained plugged in because if I was unplugging it, the battery would go that quick with the amount of calls I was on. Um and it was, it's you know, I, I was dealing with concerned members. Mm, it's hard, right? It was, it was interesting. Yeah. It was interesting. Um, and they, they've got every right to be concerned. This is, and again, we talk about passion. You don't get into working in hospitality if you're not passionate about what you do. Um, and I think the big thing for us with this is I need to protect the members as best I can to make sure that they have the best chance of getting through this and continuing with something they've put so much time and passion and attention into to helping other people. But I guess for you, that's a lot of, it's like a lot of emotional energy, it's a lot of time spent, and I know your afternoon cooking is going to be your switch off, but how do you, do you find it easy to kind of have a boundary between work and home so that you don't get sucked in, or are you somebody that's, you know... I don't know if that face is yes or no. <laughs> um, there, there are times where I do try and switch off and get a break, but uh, I'm the only phone number for the JHA, and if my members have a pressing problem, I can't ignore their call. That's the whole purpose of the JHA yeah. being there. We're there to help our members, and I've dealt with calls, as I said, from very early in the morning through to quite late at night. And when you're talking about people's businesses, and if there's a way I can help them, I can't reject a call. Mm. So for the most part, no, there is no boundaries. But I suppose the good thing about, in particular, working at home, if I get a lull, if I'm, I'm, I get a break, I can go and do some bits and step away from it. Yeah, because you don't have to travel somewhere or come out the office or mm. whatever. And then, yeah, and on the other note, if towards the evening I need to jump back in, I'm just sitting down at my desk. I'm yeah, not getting flexible. back to the office. So it, it has its benefits there. So we kind of, we touched on kind of little Simon and, you know, almost went to the army, Simon, but ran away to Australia and became a chef, Simon, and kind of what you're doing now. Where do you see yourself going in the future? What, what do you see down the line for you? So that's always a difficult one. I think I've, I've sort of started that second point of my career. So the first part was very much the, the sort of hands-on hospitality. And I think uh, the future for me is looking at similar sort of levels of position but hopefully in bigger companies and developing it from there and um I know a couple of my predecessors have done this role towards the end of their careers which has mm. been very useful at the time um but I think for me this is more that moving up through what I'm doing it's been the the bridge over so yeah I think the future is going to be interesting um I never expected to be in a job like this a few years ago, so this is this is unknowns for me. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to say there's some interesting opportunities in the future. Yeah, and, you've, and you're a daddy, we said before, with your son running in for his two-second stories, which I love, so there's all that going on as well in your life. Yeah, and another one on the way in a couple of weeks, so we, we are gluttons for punishment. Um, <laughs> This was this was a pre-lockdown baby. Uh, Everyone says that, right? Everyone's like, we just want to get it clear. This was not a lockdown baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I know a few lockdown babies that's on their way as well. But no, this was a pre-lockdown. Um, 
I, I don't know if it would have happened uh, during lockdown just with the, the stress of what's going on. But certainly it's a pre-lockdown baby and very much looking forward to, to meeting her. Oh, is it a little girl? A little girl on the way. Oh, my goodness, a boy and a girl. That's so exciting. A yeah, complete set there. Yeah, complete set. Yeah. Well, it's been so lovely talking to you. If anybody is listening and they want to find out more about you or about the JHA, where can they go to find out about you? Jerseyhospitality.com. Uh, that's the easiest way to get hold of me. There's a, a contact page there. Uh, and it's got information about the JHA. It's got our numbers on. It's got everything you need to know. Great. And I'll put that in the show notes as well so that everyone can see it. Perfect. Thanks for that. coming Thank along. You. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. You can tune in every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Stitcher for the next free episode. And why not subscribe so you don't miss out? If you like it, then don't forget to leave us a five-star review because they really do help. And head over to Instagram at ink underscore blot underscore creative to carry on the conversation. Thanks so much for listening. And don't forget to stay connected. Stay connected.